Well, I hope you're having a great night, Gateway. Welcome back from Thanksgiving, by the way. And Black Friday shopping for all you brave souls. Looks like everybody made it out safe from that, right? <laughs> hey, if you've never met before, my name is Jesse, and I serve at Gateway Central. And my family and I just bought a home down in Kyle, and we're currently building a Gateway community down in the Buda Kyle area. And my name is John. I... I'm super familiar with most of you, so it's great to be back at Gateway South after spending my morning up at North. And I'll be launching, just like Eric mentioned, a Gateway community. And we're really gathering people to become the church as we seek to serve in the Pflugerville area. That's right. And today you'll hear from John and I. John will be helping us through the scriptures, and I'll be sharing out a part of my story. And it'll be awesome hearing from you, by the way. I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesse is our first pastor who's gone from disconnected to leading all through Gateway Church. That's right. That's right. But I'm not the first bald pastor. That's right. We have Eric to thank for that. And, you know, um, a lot of you have already been asking, well, why, why does it seem like Jesse and I are flip-flopping places? Like, Jesse was a little bit further north before, before he moved to Buda, Kyle. I was, well, here, and now I'm going all the way across the river up to north, and I don't even know if I'm going to be bundled enough up there. <laughs> but honestly, um, let me just set the record straight. It was not a super spiritual process. Really, it came down to this. We realized that everybody up north has a nice head of hair. That's right. You do have a nice head of hair yourself, John. Thank you. I do a, a lot in the mornings. Uh, well, one thing for sure, though, I'm not going to have a beard like yours anytime soon. Well, you know, John, actually, I had a full head of hair. It just slid down my face and landed on my chin. Yeah. All right. Thanks for that. So <laughs> Jesse is passionate about building into families and reaching those who are disconnected, those who might not even like church in the Buda Kyle area. That's right. And if you don't know this, John is our first campus pastor who's a person of color. He's got a heart to grow a multicultural community and bring healing to our divided world up in Pflugerville. Thank right. you. Well, we're on the back end of Thanksgiving now, and some of you might remember what you were doing just a few days ago as you were uh, maybe waking up early and doing that turkey trap because you knew the damage that you were going to do at the table later on that evening. And some of you didn't, and you still did a lot of damage. <laughs> you ate all that stuffing, the turkey, and then there was more desserts that you couldn't even have enough room for. And of course, there were dumplings, right? I'm Chinese-American, so I had to throw in some dumplings. They were great. Uh, and some of you are like, no way, John. Dumplings are a southern thing. Chicken and dumplings, that's the thing, right? Well, newsflash. Dumplings are Chinese. I promise you. We have 2,000 years of history, and we've had tons and tons of dumplings. We've had soup dumplings, steamed dumplings, pork dumplings, fried dumplings. We've got a lot of dumplings, shrimp dumplings, too. I'm having my Bubba Gump moping right now. Uh, well... If you're anything like me, as we look at a table, um, maybe it's the table back at home, maybe it's a, a banquet table, a feasting table, we're often reminded now of just how much work we have to do. Like, we got to start up those keto diets, those whole 30s. That's right. If you're a Dallas Cowboy fan like I am, you spent that whole day in prayer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but besides the food, Thanksgiving is also a time of gathering around a table where we share a meal and catch up. What I know to be true is that for some of us, this table represents something else. It reminds us of what we're hungry for, a different kind of food, a belonging, being accepted. The table represents what church was intended to be. 
for the person that's stuck in addiction or depression or for the broken marriages or the feuding families. But just like any invitation, you must show up to sit at the table, right? Many times we make excuses while we can't come to the table after being invited. And we see Jesus talk about this in Luke 14. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat and feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. And as we read on, we see the excuses that they make. Like, I just got married, so I can't come to the banquet. Or things like the equivalent of, I just bought a home, so I'm not able to show up. And the excuses keep going. And we see at the, at the end in verse 23, we see the invitation. And the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. This passage that Jesse just read for us is a passage that truly does capture God's heart for you and me. It's this idea that Jesus is on mission for you and for your life, to bring you more into freedom, to help restore you. And that's true for every single one of us here in this room. And I just want to invite you to imagine that for one second. Like, what does that really mean? That the God of this universe, the creator of all life, is actually clocked in for your own good. And that he not only cares about you, but he pursues you in his love. God's here today striving for your good, wanting to bring in a full restoration, helping you to heal. And for me, I've seen this to be true here at Gateway, especially in our South Home community. I've loved you guys, by the way. Like, I've, of course, been at different campuses sporadically, and every time I show up anywhere, I've just been welcomed in. You've been such an expression of God's welcoming heart, and so many of you have demonstrated God's heart for welcoming the stranger, and that's truly what I once was. I was a stranger to Gateway and to Gateway staff before I joined. I'd never been a part of this community, you see. And that's no small thing that I was welcomed in because that's the building block and the foundational value through which we drive our mission here at Gateway. It's come as you are. It's this idea that we welcome anyone, wherever they are on their spiritual journey, whatever their background, whatever their culture, whether they're like us or whether they're not. Come as you are is what we see at the very beginning of that passage that Jesse just read for us in Luke 14. It's this invitation to the feast. And like we read earlier, Jesus talks about this kingdom of God being like a banquet table where all are welcomed. We each have a seat specially designed for you. And it doesn't matter if you feel like you're ready. God will make you ready. It's simply, will you respond to the invitation? Come as you are. And Jesus models this exact same invitation at the very beginning of his ministry. When we look at the beginning of Mark, we see Jesus healing and teaching and bringing together other people to join him. People who would become his disciples, these would be his all-star team, the cream of the crop, if you will. So then, who does he actually go after? 
In the book of Mark, we see that Jesus doesn't go after the well-to-do, the put-together, the people that you would expect a rabbi or a teacher to go after. Instead, he kind of skirts them. Those who were pre-selected long ago, already on track to become religious leaders. Instead, at the very beginning of his ministry, he selects fishermen in Mark chapter 1. And the choice would have left some huge question marks for people. Like, really? Was that a fluke, Jesus? Fishermen? You're really going to go after them, huh? But then we jump into Mark 2, and Jesus makes it clear that this was not a mistake. He's not going back to what was culturally accepted. Instead, Jesus doubles down. He says, I'm going to go all in. And so he goes after a guy named Levi, a tax collector, someone who's despised by his own people. Check out Mark 2.13. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him. And so Levi got up and followed him. Now Levi's background as a tax collector wasn't super pretty. You see, he had sided with the oppressors, the Roman government, and he had been taking advantage of his people for a long time, building his wealth by skimming off the top. And so he wasn't really liked. He was shunned. And his life was a little bit of a mess, right? Relationships were scattered to the ground. There was distrust everywhere. It's kind of like he's got this coffee stain on a white T-shirt, and he's trying to rub it out, do everything and anything that he can to get rid of that stain, but he can't do it. And so he walks around, broken by his own choices, Levi's forgotten, despised, even hated. And I wonder, how many of us today kind of feel like we got that coffee stain? Perhaps because of choices that we've made in the past. Maybe it's because of evil that has happened to us. And for one reason or another, we, we see ourselves looking from the outside in. Jesus not only welcomes Levi, He brings him in close. He sees Levi fully. And he says, come and see. Taste the very goodness of God at this table that I prepared for you. And Jesus is still doing the exact same thing today among us. So I just want to invite you to listen in on Jesse's story as he shares a little bit of how he experienced God inviting him to the table. Go ahead. Yeah, so I just want to say again, if this is your first time checking us out, here at South Campus, welcome. We're glad that you're here. You know, it wasn't that long ago that I was right where you were. You know, me and my wife found Gateway back in 2015. And by the way, we sat in the very back row. So careful, because you could end up on stage one day. I see you back there. But I get what it's like to step into a new space for the first time. I get what it's like to step into Gateway for the first time. You know, my story's probably not that different from many of you here. My parents were divorced when I was two. Both sides were plagued with addiction, with drugs and alcohol, going all the way back to my great-grandparents and probably even beyond that. I was raised by my mom, a single parent, who did the best that she could, but she was barely hanging on herself. I was abandoned by my father early on, and I not only viewed God as a judge handing down guilty verdicts on my life, I thought that he had abandoned me too. So what was the point of me crying out to a God who I thought would just never respond to me Anyway, you know, I was a kid that never really fit in, and ultimately I ended up making bad choices for my life. I was 18 years old and in the 10th grade. I see some of you are trying to do the math. Let me help you out with that. That's not good. 
right? That's not good. But after failing multiple times, I dropped out of high school on my 18th birthday. You know, I always felt like the underdog, the outcast, that I was never good enough, that everyone else had it all together. You see, I wasn't raised with faith. My mom did the best that she knew how, but how could she teach me the importance of a relationship with Jesus when she was never taught that herself? So when I came into Gateway, I came with a suitcase packed full of deep wounds around not being accepted, not being good enough to experience grace, waiting for someone to judge me and condemn me. And my guard was up. But what I began to experience early on was that it wasn't about what I was doing or even what I had done, but it was about who I was becoming. I started to feel like I had a seat at the table here, something that I never had felt before. I was being invited to come back through invitations like, hey, just keep coming back next week. Keep showing up. But ultimately, the choice was mine, right? I could keep dragging around this suitcase full of wounds around not being accepted, not being good enough. Or I could accept the invitation and intentionally seek after spiritual maturity. And ultimately, that's what I did. Just like Jesse, who encountered Jesus inviting him in, Levi also is encountering Jesus in a really fresh and powerful way. As he sees Jesus inviting him to the table, it creates a curiosity with him. And truthfully, Jesse and Levi can't shake off that curiosity. It's this curiosity that Jesus provokes within them that stirs them into a relationship, into saying yes to Jesus. Levi responds to Jesus in Mark 2.15. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. So when Levi invites Jesus and his disciples at home to be his guests, Jesus decides to join in. He doesn't stand apart and judge at a distance. Jesus says yes. And this was a little bit weird for, for Levi because he was used to religious leaders actually labeling him and keeping at a distance. Mark 2.16, but when the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him, Jesus, eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? That's what the teachers of the law see. Broken people, worthless, scum. But Jesus, instead of keeping apart from these individuals, Jesus engages. He sees the person. He enters into their experiences. And you know, we often talk about how God is at this table. He invites us in, and that is so, so true. It's an amazing picture of God's heart for us. And it's also true that oftentimes before we even hear God's invitation to join his table, God's at our table. God shows up exactly where we are. And so what would it look like for you to say yes to the invitation to be at the table of God today? You see, God shows up where you are already, and then he invites you forward. He says, come join me. 
And that's what I got to experience early on when I first joined Gateway as staff. See, like I mentioned, I was brand new to this community, and it was the first time really that I'd ever been a part of a predominantly white majority context church. I grew up in an Asian American church. And a few months in, I got invited to this weekend retreat with our Gateway staff men. There's a bunch of white men. I was the only person of color. And let me tell you, I had some, some resistance. I was like, shoot, am I going to have to go hunting? <laughs> like, are we going to have to go find deer? Because I don't do that. Like, just send me to the supermarket. I'll get my meat there. I'm good. I mean, could you imagine? Like, if you're a white dude and you're going out on a retreat with a bunch of Asian guys or black dudes, it'd be at least a little bit uncomfortable, I think. But really, I was experiencing some significant internal pushback because I'd been hurt. I grew up in spaces in Dallas where I was a part of a lot of different white majority spaces. And in those experiences with other people, I, I had people actually telling me, John, we don't want you around. You don't belong. And that was tough to hear. And so I carried some of those things with me. And as I entered into Gateway, I started asking myself questions like, can I truly thrive here? Like, will, will I be able to show up fully as who I am? Is someone going to tell me that I do belong? Or maybe on the other side, will they say you don't belong? I didn't know. I asked myself, would my white sisters and brothers actually show up and pursue reconciliation in the same way that I might desire, to do things like truth-seeking and pursuing justice for all? These are just some of the kinds of questions that I showed up with and some of our people of color sometimes show up with. And literally, just a few weeks before all of this happened, before this retreat, uh, I had just caught wind of a friend who was serving out at an Asian-American church in California. And white supremacists, emboldened by this cultural moment, had decided to go up to the windows of their church, and they etched in swastikas in their windows. And then alongside of those signs, words that said, we don't want you here. And so admittedly, I was pretty raw when I jumped in. And here's the thing. Eventually, I chose to say yes to God's invitation. I chose to take a seat at the table. And it's true. It was a little difficult. There was some discomfort. But as I said yes, I saw God beginning to help us to ask questions together. These brothers of mine, yes, I call them brothers now, helped start something profound. And I believe that Gateway is becoming more and more reflective of God's heart for us together. Because, yeah, America has a race problem. I know we don't like talking about it, but Gateway is not immune to it. You're not immune to it. I'm not immune to it. And we also believe that the God of this universe, the God who pursues you and me, actually speaks into the most broken places in our world. And so we're going to go there, and we're going to pursue a unity across all of our diversities. So that's a little bit of my story. 
We believe that one of the best ways that we can stay connected is just to serve others. And that's what I began to do with people around me here at Gateway. And it's not because, like, as we engage in this mission together that we've got everything figured out. No, it's really just because we found the source of life, Jesus. And we're just bringing other people, we're pointing them to Jesus, the one who heals us and the one who restores us. Yeah, so whether that's serving here on Sundays uh, in our next gen with our kids or here in the auditorium, uh, serving our homeless community or our refugee neighbors, we serve because we know that's where life happens. I found that to be true for, for most people, that we long for community. And that was definitely true for us early on when we came to Gateway. I remember uh, one Sunday, my, uh, my wife went through Starting Gate after service. And uh, we did the tour, and she signed up to serve right there after the tour, and I did not. I did not sign up to serve that day. But she began to find community at Gateway. And then a few weeks went by, and she asked me, she said, hey, won't you come serve with me this Sunday? And I remember my response to her was, no. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to go serve with you. I mean, I work all week. I feel like I was always serving other people. And besides that, Sunday was my day of rest, a day to chill. You see, back then I didn't realize that I needed to serve more than Gateway needed me to serve. And as the weeks went on, uh, one Sunday after church, we were pulling into Costco and I shared with my wife my growing need to be a part of a community. We kept hearing on Sunday mornings to get into a life group. However, it was a little challenging uh, to find a group that we could both attend with kids you see, we have nine kids. Stop right there. I know, I know what you're thinking. Yes, we know what causes that. And yes, we own a television set. <laughs> but right there in the frozen food section <laughs> of Costco, um, I run into a lady and she says, hey, I see you have three girls, which I say, no, actually I have five girls and some boys. And she was like, whoa, I thought we were crazy with a few kids of our own. And so we have this conversation with this lady and she calls her husband over and he comes over and he's wearing a pair of swim trunks with a man bun. And we have this conversation, right? Some of y'all know who I'm talking about. This is great. (laughs) But so we're, so as I, as I were, were turning to leave, this guy says, hey, I don't know what you're doing this Tuesday night, but we'd love to have you over and be at a part of what we're doing. We do, we do this thing at our house. You see, it was there that Kenny had invited us into their life group, Kenny and Jenny Green. We became of their, part of their Tuesday night life group, and it was there that I jumped into community and started serving others with others. I was on the setup team as Gateway Central was launching. And what I realized is that serving wasn't about me at all. It was about a community coming together where we could be authentic, where we didn't have to have it all together. And most times we didn't, where we didn't have to have all the answers. It was the thing that we talk about here every Sunday, living connected. But what if Kenny hadn't turned to me and said, hey, we'd love to be a part of, of, we'd love to have, uh, have you over be a part of what we're doing. I couldn't imagine that. Missing out on the community that we've built at Gateway Central. 
and the lives that we've changed in that community and how our own lives have been changed and how hopefully God will use us to change lives in the Butakyle area. You know, often it's not the reminder to check out Starting Gate, but rather it's the personal invitation of, hey, come serve with me. Or, hey, come hang with us. Or, hey, I don't know what you're doing on Tuesday night, but I'd love for you to be a part of it. People are looking for the personal invitation to the table. I wonder if somebody had extended my mom a personal invitation over 30 years ago, how different our lives would have been. You know, a couple years ago, I invited my mom to join me at Gateway Central when she was in town from Dallas. And she came. And she went back to Dallas and she's been watching online ever since for two years. And then I had the privilege to baptize her this year at Gateway Central. Yeah. You see, she took the invitation and then she took her seat at the table. And that invitation is the key that helps us to unlock God's heart for us. It's the key that unlocks God's mission for us too. As we spend more and more time together in community, a community that's following Jesus, we realize that spiritual maturity just does not happen overnight. You don't snap your fingers and all of a sudden you've fully arrived. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It takes intentional effort for us to spiritually mature, to become more and more like Jesus in our lives and also for our world. That's why we say here, come as you are, but don't stay as you are, because God doesn't want you to stay stuck. God wants to release more healing, more freedom, more life in you. And some of that, to be honest, we can't even completely imagine what that means. We don't know what that looks like yet. But know that God's heart is for you. For you to become fully creative, for you to become fully who you're created to be. You know, for some of us, we might be like Levi or Matthew. Uh, that's who he's called a little bit later on in life. Where we hear the invitation of Jesus and we immediately drop our old life and we follow Jesus. For others, it might be a little bit different. We might need a season to explore Jesus in faith. We didn't really grow up with faith or spirituality. And so we're curious. And at some point, we have to make a decision, though. We have to decide, will we say yes to God's invitation to come to the table, to sit in this seat that he's prepared for you and me? And maybe for some of you, that's a yes tonight. Maybe you're ready to take that next step. Right now, I've got an 18-month-old baby. Her name is Addie. She's super cute. And yes, I love her. And she, she's learning slowly how to start feeding herself, right? So she's picking up sporks, forks, spoons, everything and anything. And she's starting to kind of like go through her food. And honestly, it's really messy. I don't really care for it that much right now because half of the stuff that we cook ends up on the floor for our dogs. And that's not a great use of our money. <laughs> but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for the world because I want Addie to learn how to start feeding herself. Right? Like, just think it for a moment. Let's fast forward and say we're looking at 18-year-old Addie now. And she's at the table. We've got some snacks, and we're just shooting the breeze. She's telling me a little bit about all the high school drama that happens these days, right? And then 
All of a sudden, she breaks in the middle of the conversation and says, hold on, hold on, dad. Wait one second. I want to eat. And then she opens up her mouth and she's like, feed me. That'd be ridiculous, right? And yet, if we're being honest, that's oftentimes what you and I do. When it comes to our spiritual lives, we show up at church, we go to service, we open up our mouths and we say, feed me. And we've arrived completely starved because we've deprived ourselves for an entire week. We haven't connected with God and his heart for us. Maybe we've done that for an entire month. Wherever your starting place is, will you say yes to joining God at the table that he's prepared? Because God calls you forward to the next step and the next step and the next step. Will you say yes to joining? Listen to what happens as Jesse says yes and continues to say yes in his life. And so I can't remember missing a Tuesday night, mainly because at that point we were all in, all in for what God was doing here at Gateway and all in what God, for what God was doing in our lives. It was in this life group that we began to do life together, where we were able to wrestle with the tough questions about faith and God. You see, I've been in seasons where I was waiting for someone to give me all the answers, where I was wanting someone to help me grow. But just like John said, but what I knew to be true is until I decided to take the food from the table and put it on my plate, then actually pick up the fork and eat it, did I see spiritual growth in my life. And Kenny and Jenny Green's life group was just that for us. We intentionally seeked after spiritual maturity. And it began to transform our family. And it transformed our marriage. We not only attended the group regularly, but we uh, also came on Sundays. We rarely missed Sundays. And what we realized is that church wasn't just on Sunday. It was throughout the week. And that's when we experienced what true community looked like. We did life together. If someone was hurting, the community was there. When me and my wife were pregnant with our eighth child, what was supposed to be a routine checkup turned into us staring at our lifeless son's body on a sonogram screen. It was during this time of loss that our life group came around and lifted when we couldn't. They not only provided meals, but they provided so much more. They provided love, genuine love. Me and my wife had never had so many people tell us that they loved us. It was also from this life group that we joined a core team of people that helped launch Gateway Central in 2016, much like the team John and I will be putting together over the next few months. And I remember that day clearly, looking over at my wife as we both committed in Kenny's living room to be a part of this core team. And it came with costs. But as, as Chrissy and I continued to say yes, God guided our steps to the very steps that I took to come here on this stage today. And that's faith. Your yes will come with a cost. But Jesus is inviting us into more, even in the trials, doubts, and pain. And that we would know his peace in this divided and broken world. So will you come to the table, friends? Will you sit at the seat 
Will you start feeding yourself? Will you start choosing God's life for you? Will you start being healed in Jesus? Because you see, we all yearn for a better world. And the only way that we're going to start seeing that world unfold, the only way that we can even imagine the possibility of bringing that world into being is by saying yes to Jesus. Because we need a higher power beyond ourselves to actually bring hope and to bring life. We can't do it on our own, friends. In Jesse's story, you heard a story of a man who came in with doubts. And as he said yes to Jesus, he experienced life. And yes, he experienced some significant pain, even loss. And Jesus continued to transform him at God's table. In the story of Levi or Matthew, we see a castaway man shunned by his very own, choosing to say yes to Jesus. He ends up following this rabbi, for the next three years of his life, he sees Jesus healing and teaching and restoring communities. And then he's sent out to do the very same thing. And the truth of the matter is, we're here because of the kinds of Matthews that have gone before us. Women and men who have said yes to Jesus so that we could hear and experience and say yes to God's invitation. And so I wonder for you today, will you be a Matthew to someone else? Will you step in? Will you say yes? I mentioned earlier that part of my own story is choosing to say yes at this table. And I'll be the first to admit that Gateway, as we're growing, as we're continuing to follow God's heart, we still have work to do. We're not a perfect church. We're still learning what it looks like to pursue God's heart for justice in places of extreme injustice in our world. But we believe that God is at the center of it all and that he's inviting all of us together to show up. And we all show up with different kinds of questions, right? Some of your questions might be exactly like mine. Some of them might be more like Jesse's. Others of you are carrying around the kinds of questions that Levi had. Wherever you are, the truth is that doing this work of bringing together come-as-you-are people, it's difficult work. And yet it's, it's the only kind of work that I believe brings what we yearn for. And it's because Jesus is at the center. He's leading us forward. At our last Beyond Colorblind class that we did at North Campus, we did one south over the summer, and I was super stoked that we were able to bring it up north. I began to see white brothers and sisters of mine listening, some for the very first time, to the experiences of pain that our women and men of color have carried sometimes, have experienced. And all of us began to see walls coming down, barriers being shattered, as we confess things like hatred of the other, hatred of ourselves, the kinds of shame that sometimes we carry around, our blindness. We saw God renewing us and bringing us together as one people and also teaching us how to honor each other, our cultures and our backgrounds. And there's no way that I can capture all of what God began to do in that class. There's a picture that's going to show up in the screen behind us. But I believe this picture is just a small little snapshot of what God is up to. We believe that God set a table for every single one of us to grow in unity across all of our diversities. 
So where do you find yourself today, friends? Whether you're coming in with obstacles, just like mine, Jesse's or Levi's, God invites you to come and sit at the banqueting table, to be at the feast. And so will you say yes? As you choose Jesus, as you choose to say yes, your life will never be the same. Yeah, so as John and I begin to set tables and build communities in the Pflugerville area and down in the Butakao area, for those that live in those areas, what does it look like for you? Are you willing to be a part of racial reconciliation and bring healing and justice through Jesus to Pflugerville? Are you willing to help remove barriers in one of the most fast, fastest, diverse uh, growing cities in the nation in the hopes that they would experience Jesus? Are you willing to help bring the mission of Gateway down into the Butakao area to see all relationships restored, to see marriages healed, to see friendships and families brought back together? Are you willing to help and invite a single mom and her son so that they wouldn't have to experience a life apart from Jesus? Are you willing to be a part of this movement, which by the way is God's movement, that we would love everyone, life by life, in Pflugerville, down in the Butakao area, and here at South Campus. As I stated earlier, your yes will come with a cost, but I stand here today to let you know that it comes with a huge payoff. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. says here. He says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. So are you willing to start saying yes to whatever's next for you and take your seat at the table